Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means shaking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here, the disruptive entrepreneur. And I am with, officially, the sexiest woman in the world. And it's, it's actually <laughs> official, or it was official. I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. A fact is a fact, isn't it? You were voted the sexiest woman in the world, weren't you? Yeah, that was like 500 years ago. <laughs> no, the sexiest thing is... Uh, well, not much. <laughs> you know, when you become a mom of two crazy seven-year-olds, it all changes. <laughs> right. Well, I'll tell you what, I'd love to talk about that, you know, because okay. obviously being a mum and, you know, there's so much to you. You've done so many things. Um, yeah. and, and I think I think you really embody what an entrepreneur is. And I'd love your definition in a moment. So before we get into that side of it, be honest. How did it feel to be voted the sexiest woman um, on earth? Did it make you feel good? Did it, how did it feel? Babes, it's awesome. Are you joking? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. The first thing I did is call up my mom and my mom was, yes, great. <laughs> you know, it was, it was that time. It was, you know, I was the flavor of the moment. I was doing covers every single month. You know, I was probably had my picture in the loo of every single, you know, teenager in the country. Um, you know, it, it was it was a great time. It was a fun time. It was a wild time. I was completely wild. I mean, I'm from nothing. I'm from very humble background to, uh, you know, traveling first class and private everywhere and, and crazy celeb, you know, MTV Music Awards for, you know, shooting the cover, hurry up, get on, you know, get on a plane and then be whisked off by a police escort, get there. I never forget this. This was, this was my introduction, right? So I was doing the MTV Music Awards and I was doing it with Steven Tyler. Get off a plane, Police escorted me 130 miles an hour. Get, you know, get out of the car. Hurry up, go into my dressing room where I open the door and there's this big gust of smoke. And I thought, what the heck is going on here, Missy Elliott? It's like, yo, baby, come in, come in, come in. I thought, oh, I can't believe I'm sharing a dressing room with Missy Elliott. Are you joking? And then they said, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Got to get on stage. And then there's Steven Tyler. I just, it's just, it was just wild. It was crazy. It was a wow. blessing. It was, yeah. yeah. Uh, the modeling, the modeling, you know, you got to play to your strengths. And I, and I couldn't afford to put myself through university. So at the time I played to my strengths and that's one thing I'll get into it a little bit more elaborately about the entrepreneurship. You know, did I, I mean, did I want to be a model? No, I wanted to be governor of California. I wanted to get into you know politics. And then I ended up, I ended up modeling. So, you know, wow. I just, grabbed an opportunity when I saw it and and I went with it. So let's talk about all that. We've got so much to talk about. And there's something you said I'd love to pick up on. But first, and I, I don't think I've admitted this on a live stream, 
but I won Face of Peterborough 1999 modeling competition. Awesome! <laughs> oh, I think mum was proud of that one. <laughs> yeah, about the only person, but yeah, there you go. Uh, anyway, this is not about me. You said you were flavor of the month, Caprice. How do you handle when your time is sort of gone and you're not flavor of the month and then someone younger or, you know, more sort of well-known almost replaces you, if you like? Well, I think it's really important is you've got to put your ego in a very, and, and this goes for all entrepreneurs, put your ego in your back pocket, you know, and that's exactly what I did. Did it feel good? Not really, but I was realistic. It was going to happen at some point. And that's what happened when I turned 30. I thought, oh my God, one foot in the grave, it's over. You know, even at the top of my game. And I had to think of plan B. I had to be smart because I had the power when I was at the top of my game. And this is where a lot of people, especially in the entertainment industry, where they go wrong is they they think it's gonna, you know, the gravy train is gonna last forever. And let me tell you something, it doesn't, it's a roller coaster. So, um, you know, so I, I, I thought of plan B early on and that's when I started by Caprice Products. And so did you plan that before you ended your career? I am. Um... I had a 45-minute phone call with probably the most famous snooker player that's ever lived, helping him plan his career before he retires. I won't say his name, but you could probably figure it out. Had you made that plan before you knew your time was up, or did, have you just fallen into things? No, I think it's really important to make a plan. You have to. All successful entrepreneurs do, but you have to be flexible as well. Because this is what, you know, being an entrepreneur is. It just takes you in so many different directions and you have to be pliable. And you, you know, I, and another thing is don't put your, all your eggs in one basket. You have to hedge. So, and that's what I did. I started, you know, um, well, I didn't start myself. I didn't supply myself initially because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So I thought, okay, I'm going to try and convince somebody else to take the risk and see if the brand works. And then I'll and then I'll dive in and I'll and I'll and I'll put in my own money and that's what I did. I mean, it took a long time to convince somebody because nobody was doing license deals at the time. Um, so I had called up this guy called Terry Green, and he was the flavor of the moment. He was head of Debenhams, which I know Debenhams doesn't exist, but at the time it was the it was the um, it, 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 it was it, it was the business. It was thriving. And so um, he took the meeting and I convinced him. I said, there's something called a license deal. Nobody's doing it. Now, I know it's saturated, but at the time, this was in 2000. It wasn't. Um, the only person who was doing it, I think, was Elle McPherson. She was doing it in Australia. Anyways, so I convinced him to do it. He, he invested a couple million, but the first collection of Bike Caprice lingerie. Now, also, what you have to do is you have to identify what's your target market. Just don't say, oh, my God, I've got a really great deal. Yay. No, I mean... You've got to identify who's your target market. And um, and I did, and that's why I called up Debenhams. And, and what will people buy into that Caprice will sell? That was lingerie at the time. It was a no-brainer. And so uh, Terry Green went with it, and the first collection sold out, completely sold out in a few weeks. And he wow. was the flavor of the moment. Then, you know, this whole license deal concept, everyone was starting to take notice. And then... Uh, about five years later, not, not even five years, I think it was about three and a half years, I started to think, 
because other people started to catch on to this and other celebrity and, and, and the CEOs of these big conglomerates were taking on other celebrities and doing these license deals. And um, I thought, well, I'm going to be replaced. I am. I'm not going to be the flavor of the moment again. So I wanted to take back my license and to supply myself. And so then that was my next move. So also entrepreneurship, I think, is, is you can't just be complacent. You've got to keep moving forward. You've got to keep expanding. You've got to keep being innovative. Um, and so that's what I've continued to do. And also, I think really successful entrepreneurs, um, I don't go to sleep at night till God knows what time, one o'clock. I work about 100 hours a week. Wow. If you want to be rich, if you want to be successful, there is no shortcut, folks. You got to put the work in. You got to put the hours in. And that's what I've done continuously. Now I have my kids. So now it's a little um, an extra firecracker up my tushy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, we're going to get to some of these things because it's just setting this up nicely. So um, I think and I might have missed some things here, but model, businesswoman actress tv personality i believe you mentor people as well that's lots of things and you said it's good to not you know not have all your eggs in one basket be quite diversified how would you define caprice who you are what's your identity if, if i were to say you know who are you and what do you do what would you say well i couldn't i couldn't describe myself in one word there's no way um i could in a few words that i'll share with you <laughs> Obviously, I, I came out of my mom's stomach saying, I want to make money. I want to be successful. I want to do this. And this is very American. But also, you know, my mom, I grew up in a single household and my mom was quite a go-getter as well. So I grew up with this. I grew up with this attitude. And I also grew up, you know, my mom always said, let me tell you something, Cap. She said, she said, independence is happiness. Because I could have been a gold digger. I mean, I I met tons of rich guys. I probably would have been richer by doing that. But I, anyways, I, that wasn't an option. I didn't go down that road. You know, there was a lot of hardships, but it developed me into this very colorful person that I am today. But I also think it's really important, and it, at least it's important to me, is to give back. Like the universe or whatever you want to call it. I don't want to get all hippy-dippy spiritual on you, even though I am. Um, I mean, I've worked my little tushy off, but I mean, I'm so blessed with the life that I have, but I've worked for it. Um, and I like to give back, especially to young, um, ambitious entrepreneurs. I think it's really, really important. Life is a cycle. Yeah, it's good to take, but it's also good to give back. Um, gosh, what else? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm I can I be bold and make a, a statement or a suggestion? Of course. Yeah. I, I think you're a disruptive entrepreneur. I love that. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Well, you know, you, you took the chance and the opportunity of modeling, not necessarily planning it. You planned the next move in your career before you were redundant in the last move. You've built your own business and brand in a partnership. Then you took that license back. You know, and I, I think the difference between a business person and an entrepreneur is an entrepreneur can be successful in multiple disciplines, whereas a solopreneur or an entrepreneur often just in one thing. So, yeah, disruptive entrepreneur. 
Oh, so I'll take it. I'll take it. But I also wanted to share one more thing because maybe some people haven't haven't shared it. But you know, being an entrepreneur, obviously I dip my yeah, I've had liquidity and I continue to have, thank God. And then of course I reinvest. And I think it's really, really important as an entrepreneur. There's another uh how could I say it's it's really important when you start dipping and hedging and not just put all your eggs in one basket. There's a lot of businesses as well that I wasn't successful, but a smart entrepreneur will realize, okay, this is not working. And instead of putting more of your resources, more of your time, and remember your time is a lot of money. Um, and obviously you're and, and putting more financial. Sometimes the smartest move is to say, you know what? It's not working. Just walk away and go on to the next thing. And there were a few things that, that, that I did that didn't work out. And the smartest thing I ever could have done is just, is just walk away from it and put all my resources into what's working. Yeah. I've just taken a few notes because that's just fired up a couple more questions in me. So we'll come to that. Um, I, is there, is there a story behind your name? Cause it's a very unique name. I don't think I've ever yeah, had everyone thinks it's fake. Everyone thinks it's fake. You know, I remember when I first started modeling and also people thought that the newspapers would say that I was, a, that, that I was, uh, that I was a man. I mean, I thought it was a joke, but they've said the craziest thing, <laughs> these, these, this media. And also don't, don't always believe what you read. Oh, the media is crazy. It's, they're my best friends, but then they're so, they could be so hardcore. But, you know, at the end of the day, I need them. They need me because, you know, you create the awareness and you create the sales. So um, that's another thing. But we'll get into that a little bit uh, later with marketing. Um, my name. My name is real. And my mom got it from I don't know if she was big here. It's an actress called Doris Day. And Doris Day did this movie way before I was born. And it was called Caprice. And my mom said, if I ever have a daughter, I'm going to name her Caprice. And then I popped out. So that's that's basically <laughs> my story. <laughs> Love it. Okay. <laughs> I've been really excited about um, our conversation today to talk about being a successful entrepreneur and raising children. Um, you know, I, I mentor many um, mum entrepreneurs, obviously dads too, but many single mum entrepreneurs. And it's hard. And they, they don't have as much time that, that yeah. they've got this sort of paradox between I want to be a brilliant mum, but I also want to be a successful entrepreneur. I want to be the mum, but I want the identity of me. So could you talk us through how you managed to maintain your identity while being a mum and juggle it all successfully? I have to tell you, it. I mean, there's no formula. It's just called a lot of coffee and probably a lot of booze eventually <laughs> at night. You know, it's, it's, you know, the kids want, want you, not the nannies. And it, it, it is hard. And then of course I just want to be with my, and, and, and with my children all the time and your personality changes, you know, when you have kids, I'm actually, I think I've gotten, I, I'm a much better person. I'm much more patient. Um, I make smarter. I, I used to, I, I take more calculated risks. I think to be a successful entrepreneur, you have to take risks, but now it's about be, making more smart um, um, decisions and calculated decisions because I've got a family to look after. It's not just me. So I could be a little bit more frivolous and, and take those big risks. Um, but it's, you know, it's hard. I don't stop until 1am because I put the boys down and of course they want me to be there all the time 
I get this question all the time. There's no real formula. I think it's really important also is to create a support group um, because as much as I love my, I mean, I, I've got the best husband. I love my husband so much, but we're like chalk and cheese. You know, if I have real problems or if I'm having a tough time, I'll call my mom. I'll call my girlfriends. You know what I mean? It's really important to have that support group and to build a community. And that's what I've done um, here, here in the UK is these mommy groups um, and to support each other because it is hard, especially during this lockdown. I've never been through this. It's messed with my head so much. And literally, I love my children, but for God's sakes, to be with them 24-7, I've become a screaming biatch. I mean, it's not normal. It's not normal. Um, but, uh, but you know, the, the, the one thing that I always say, especially in socials, is that we're in it together. It's been a tough time, but we're all going through the same thing when we're we're almost out. The lights, we see the light at the end of the tunnel. By the way, are you going to get the vaccine? Whoa. Well, who's, doing, who's, doing, who's doing the interview? Right. I just one question. I'm allowed one question. Are you going to get it? Honestly, when they yeah. when it first came out, I was like, I'm not having that. No, I, I, I'm going to rebel. I don't know what's in it. But big pharma industry, and I was a bit like that. A lot of people have had it, I guess. So um, I think I probably would. Yeah. Or I just do what my wife tells me to do. That's really the truthful yeah, that's part. Yeah, it's the smartest decision, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I was actually the same as you. I thought, no, there's no way. The cases will go down and then we'll be fine. But you know what's so weird is that my entire family has had it. Whoa. I don't know. I mean, I remember my, my my husband was the first one that got it. We know for sure. I mean, he wasn't tested because it was last year, but he lost his, uh, you know, his, uh, smell and taste. And obviously that's indicative of COVID. And uh, and I smooched him the whole th nothing. And then my child, we were about to go away over the Christmas time and we did a test and fly. And they said, your son is positive. I said, what? My son, he's fine. And, um, and so I was waiting, you know, because, of course, he slept with me and I was so worried. Oh, my God, we're going to wake up and he's going to have a fever and ugh, nothing happened. But, you know, I was sleeping with my son so I could monitor him all night. It's, it's, it's crazy how it just it's so different with everyone. And, and, and now, especially with these new. Anyways, it's, this is boring. Everyone talks about it all the time. <laughs> Let's move on to entrepreneurship. Why, why did I do this? <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. No, no worries. Quick one then. Have you experienced mum guilt and how did you get yeah. over it? This is a great question, actually, because I do get this as well. I always, I always experience mum guilt. But can I tell you, for, for, for those of you moms and even dads, your kid's biggest inspiration is you. And by, their, by your kid seeing you work your little tushy off. For years, people have been asking me where I buy my watches. Many of you may know I'm a watch collector. I'm a watch investor. And those as an asset class have done me very well in the last 15 years. I have never shared where I source my watches from or my watch dealer until now. My watch dealer used to be a professional footballer for Manchester United. And he formed a watch brand called Broadwalk. And he sources the higher-end brands like Rolex, Audemars Piguet, Patek Philippe and Richard Mille. I trust him. I've used him for many years. And recently we've done a partnership 
Hence, I'm inviting you, if you want to start investing in watches and protect your money from the banks and inflation, to check out Broadwalk. That's B-R-O-A-D-W-A-L-K. And the website is broadwalkgroup.com. The email is sales at broadwalkgroup.com. And please don't share this, but his number is 07496-878-153. Obviously, only message him if you're serious about buying and investing in the higher-end watches. People have been asking me for years, and for the first time ever, you can get access to my watch team. Every single day is the greatest thing for them. Um, So that's what I just keep telling myself. You know, I want my children to see a woman that's strong and independent and a go-getter. And, 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 and yeah, it, it, but it is hard. You know, my time is stretched out all over the place. And, um, and after having kids and to a certain degree, I have become even more ambitious, much smarter, but um, yeah, I do have mom guilt, but then again, it's great for them to see this dynamic, this powerful woman in their lives. So it's it. That's a good point. I'm really glad you raised that. Because um, I've, true, though. yeah, 100%. I've said to many people that you flourishing as an individual with your own identity mm-hmm. is a part of raising your children, not just being there with them, playing with them. So you could argue to a certain degree, parenting is about becoming the best version of you and not just making them everything. And then you end up resenting it and them later. So, yeah, I'm really glad you said that. Yeah, I don't know. if I, I mean, I would. Oh gosh. I mean, I, of course, I've given a lot of time. Like, resenting, you can never resent your kids. But I think you're the biggest inspiration to what your kids are going to develop into. And it's so funny. The older I get, the more I see myself turning into my mom. I'm thinking, oh, my God. that's what I talk like my mom now. I do. I have mannerisms like my mom. So, you know, it stays with you. You're, you're, you're their biggest inspiration. And especially one thing that I love to tell all, all my moms out there you know, because it's hard. We're juggling. We, you know, we're bringing home the money. We're working. We're looking after the kids. We're looking after our husband. But what I tell them is, you know, what's so amazing is that I, I am the nuts and the bolts and, and, and the glue of the family. And that is empowering as well. So go to sleep knowing that, that, that you are the glue to your entire family. And, you know, thank God my family, I've worked so hard. My family, that my kids are, so, are adjusted, they're happy, they're successful at school. And for all you moms and, and my, my marriage, I've been with my husband now 10 years and it's a, it's a, you know, it's constant work. And do I have to work harder at it? Probably. I mean, maybe he'll say no, maybe we'll have a bit of an argument, but you know, I've, I've really worked hard at it, but it, it empowers me to know that I am that glue. I am the source behind a successful family. I love that. And I love that too. <laughs> um, so media must have changed when you were on the front cover of just about every magazine. In my research, it's something like 250 front covers, probably more. And now, of course, social media and Clubhouse and Instagram so how was media and this thing of a personal brand? Because you were a personal brand before a personal brand was a thing. Like your name was synonymous and everyone knew it. 
And now everyone's talking about personal brand on social media. So how has that world changed and how have you adapted and um, sort of disrupted yourself, I suppose? Well, everyone has a voice now. And the one thing that I love about social is the F word. It's free. It's free. You have free freaking marketing worldwide. How amazing is that? You have a voice. You could you could you could grab the attention of anyone all over the world. It's absolutely fantastic. I mean, to, for me, it's still. I'm a little bit, a little bit old fashioned still because I, I just I, I need to get involved a little bit more. Um, but um, but for me, I, I think I think social media is fantastic. It's such a great platform for anyone. You have no excuse if you want to start your own business. If you have a, a great brand idea and you do your research, you do your target markets, you you know you raise the money. You have free marketing. It's absolutely brilliant and it was never like that when I first started the brand it was all about can I get on the cover of the sun which I did I was lucky I was able to access that um, but now anyone could start a business and they do they start from nothing it's fantastic so there's no excuse ladies and gentlemen the only person you're you're usually we are our own worst enemy you know, it's what's up here. If you think you could do it, my God, you could do it. And let me tell you something as well, guys. You will, you have to be realistic in, in the entrepreneurial world. You will get knocked down 100%. It's the ones that are successful, the ones that get back up. And you know what? You'll get knocked down again. You know what you have to do is get back up. It makes you smarter. It makes you tougher. And it makes you successful. Amen. Now, I'm going to bring a question up because I think this is a really interesting question. It's not in my questions list. Who is the best photographer you've ever worked with? And I'll just add to the end. So this is from Willie who's watching in and why. By the way, Willie Camden, I must have done 500,000 covers for it. Well, oh, there you go then. It's a loaded question. I thought it was a good one. No, seriously. Well, no, Willie, I mean um, – Willie and I did, oh my goodness, I mean, every single cover under the sun. And this is one thing that I did as well. Will, I hope you don't mind me telling everyone, but um, one thing about the modeling world that the models weren't understanding is that um, the model is, is, there's a lot of money in selling, and not anymore, but back in the day when I was at my, uh, at my height, is that there was a lot of money in syndicating the pictures and what I did is um, I got maybe three great photographers and I just literally did all you know because I was able to choose the photographers that I wanted and a lot of the models would just go oh I just want because I like him but I did a deal with everyone um, where I retained some of the ownership and when we turned around and and syndicated it that's I mean I would make six figures just from doing that but nobody was doing that like why it's crazy. If you have that power, it's another avenue to make money. But um, but Willie was was one of my main photographers. He's great. Oh, Willie. Hi. <laughs> what makes what are like the top three traits of a great photographer? Lighting. <laughs> um, as well, I don't like doing a lot of retouching. I don't mind having wrinkles. I don't mind getting older. 
I don't mind any of that, maybe because I'm in such a good place in my life. I mean, this year, I can't believe oh, this year I'm turning 50. <laughs> Can you freaking believe that? I'm actually admitting it. And I'm actually going to have a major rager to celebrate it. <laughs> I made it to 50. Great. <laughs> um, but now I lost my now. I talked about 50 and now I completely lost my train of thought. What the hell were we talking about? Three traits of a great photographer. You said lighting. 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 Um, I think direction. Um you know, it's all about the right angles. I understand this, but it, it's about the right angles. When you're working for a client, you want to make whatever you're modeling to look the best because that's your job. Um, and another trait would have to be, Willie, what's another trait? Willie, where are you? If two... Um if two photographers had exactly the same technical ability, what would make you pick one over the other? Uh, lighting for me is everything, honestly, because I don't like a lot of retouching. So it has to be about it has to be about the lighting. I know how to angle myself. I know how to make the clothes. I know how to make myself look better. I got that. But the lighting, I, I can't. I, and again, I don't want to look plastic fantastic like everyone in there. You know, it's gross to me. I don't like it. So, um, so that would be the number one. Gotcha. Mm. So now we're going to move into some more businessy, entrepreneurial type questions. Okay. And then, then we're going to do a cheeky round, which we've started to introduce. And then we're going to do the um, quick fire round. Okay. So before we do the entrepreneurial type questions, can you just tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial career in the business sense? So your brand by Caprice. And, and maybe, you know, any other businessy type stuff you've done, whether it's negotiating deals and contracts. Just tell us a bit about that to set the scene. Well, let's get into it because I love talking about this. Negotiating contracts. There's a whole art form. And I tell you, this will change your life. Now, especially a lot of people stereotype me. And this is one thing that I had to work through. And I used to get so irate because they used to stereotype me. Oh, she's a model. Two, she's a woman. I mean, in this country, I do believe we still live in a man's world. Um, so I had, a, you know, I had these two checkpoints um, or X's against me that I had to overcome. And, and, I, and I did, especially when I first started my brand, you know, it was hard to pick up that credibility and to get some people to invest in me because they didn't believe in me. They didn't believe I could oh, purely because of the stereotype. But oh, you know what? I lost train. Tell me your question again, because I want to. You're just going to take us on a little bit of a your no, business no. journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you said uh, contracts, contracts, yeah. contracts. Now, what you need to do, honestly, this would be the best. Just trust me on this. You're negotiating your contracts, and sometimes, especially as a woman, we tend to think emotionally. In business, your biggest. Your biggest um, uh, move is complete silence, restriction. Now, somebody you're negotiating, you do not like, and most of the time you don't like what they're saying. You, you think that, that they don't understand your brand. You want a better price, whatever the case may be. Just go silent. Until you could take out the emotion, you have to go silent. 
and that is power, I could assure you. Even in generally in life, you're arguing with your husband, you're arguing with your wife, your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your friend, your mistress, whatever it is. Instead of piling back and just yelling and because that, trust me, that is my first instinct. And when somebody told me this, I implemented this. So if my husband triggers me, I just absolutely go silent. Nine times out of 10, 20 minutes later, he'll come in and he'll apologize and say, I'm so sorry. Yet, if I add more chaos onto the chaos, it just makes things a thousand times worse. So restriction, that is power. Restriction, just wait till you could take the emotion out and think clearly, even if you have to wait a week, just go silent. Um, but I'm not going to tell you my other tactics with, uh, because I may, who knows, maybe I'll be, maybe I'll be doing a contract with somebody here listening. <laughs> so I, you know, I do have my tactics, trust you me. Um, and then other aspects of business, uh, what, what did you focus in on? You, you had said contracts and then something else. Just a bit of giving us the journey or a bit of your story about the business world, your brand by Caprice because I'm going to ask you a couple of um, businessy questions. Mm -hmm. Now, again, you know, I, I told you I was modeling. I was at the top of my game, turned 30. I had to think, okay, what's next? What's plan B? What will everyone buy into? Again, guys, it's, 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 it's about you. You have to focus in what's your target market. You have to understand cash flow as well. Normally, um, it takes three to five years for you to make a return on any of your business. So you have to allocate that within your cash flow. You have to allocate. I call it my Bible. Um, I live by my cash flow. It is my absolute Bible. Even when we had, even now, you know, sometimes you have to adjust. I know what's going in and going out for the next eight months. And um, as a result, you have to adjust. And also, when, when you start to grow your business, which, again, do not stagnate. You have to continue to grow. You have to continue to stay modern. You have to give them you know, when I think of my next move, for example, I I launched by Caprice Home a few years ago. Now, why would I? Why did I? Why did I enter into that? Well, I wanted to find a market that wasn't heavily saturated, and what everyone buys into with me is glamour. So, glamorous bedding. It's luxurious, but at a, an incredibly affordable price because I know I know what my target market is. And so I and so I went for that, and that has been actually my most successful to date is by Caprice Home. So when you look at a different idea, different business idea, you want to hit a you want to hit a sector in the business in, in, in business that's not so heavily saturated. So you could go in there and you could saturate and you could take it over and you could you could create a monopoly at the end of the day. Um, and also, I think it's really important when you do start to grow. I remember I made a big mistake and I, the employees that I took on board, I, uh, I, how do you say this without, um, I went on the cheap side instead of getting people around me that are smarter, that were a lot more expensive. I had to invest in them a bit more, but at the end of the day, um, once I started doing that, I made more money. And I was able to allocate instead of micromanage continuously. So I was able to manage my time a lot better and ultimately make more money. Um, I mean, there's a few points. right? And I think what's really important is you have to have passion for what you do. 
You really do. When you start your business, like I said, you're not going to see a return on this for three to five years. You have to live this. You have to love this. You have to breathe this. You have to be smart about it as well. Um, and so passion, I think, is everything, everything. And you have to be able to, you, it, it, you have to work hard. It's just, <laughs> I always say there's no such thing as luck, folks. The harder you work, the luckier you get. That's it. <laughs> if you could go back to the start, what do you um, what would you like to have known differently about your business career? I mean, some of the mistakes, the stupid, you know, then again, you know, sometimes Tell us some of them, Caprice. Tell us some of the stupid mistakes so others can learn. Well, no, this was a really stupid mistake. I, I, I have my factories in China, yet I make my money in sterling. So I would have to buy currency and I would usually buy on the spot, which means I would buy just that day. I didn't educate myself to know that I could buy, I could buy in advance and I could secure that rate. So literally overnight, I lost a little bit over a million that hurt god that hurt because for a long time you know we were doubling up on, on on you know against the dollar and then all of a sudden almost overnight it was within four or five months um the currency went down to oh god what was it now it was a long time ago about 1.30 i lost my butt and I was stupid. I didn't, I, I, people kept telling me I need to do things differently and I didn't believe them. I didn't understand them, but also don't get despondent. Everything in life happens for a reason. And sometimes these horrible uh, mistakes where we could lose a lot of money are the biggest lessons because I could assure you, I never did that again, ever. And I could have lost a lot more money. So it was a mistake and I just picked myself back up. It hurt. Yeah, it hurt. Um, and I had to rejig my business model as a result because a lot of my liquidity just went down the tubes. So um, so you, you, it, it, you have to know that these mistakes are there for a reason. You've got to learn. The smart people will learn from them and become better. The stupid people will make the mistakes again. So just remember that. <laughs> <laughs> We don't want to be stupid and <laughs> we want to be smart. <laughs> You've talked a fair bit actually about things like failure and mistakes. Mm -hmm. So if you say fail or you get rejected, tell me if you don't mind how it initially feels and then how you work your way around to mastering it. Yeah, this is a really good question because this is really real, you know, and being in business, uh, be, being self-employed and entrepreneurial, yeah, you, 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 there are failures and there are really bad days and you just, you, you just feel like shit. Normally what I do, sorry, can I say, no, it's okay, we could say shit. You um, just did anyway, so. <laughs> um, normally what I do, and I want everyone to try this because this is normal. If I'm having a bad day, just go with it, folks. Just you know what, just don't try and fight it. Just go with it. For me, if I have to cry, if I have to scream, I just go with it because we all have bad days. But promise me one thing, 
and this works. Promise me one thing. That night, when you go to sleep, you're going to say, you know what? Tomorrow is going to be a better day. And I swear to God, nine times out of 10, it 100% is. But this is the reality. We have bad days. Just go with it. This is life. But the next day, we're going to get back up, and it's going to be better. And we're going to go and tackle the world again. <laughs> go after our dreams. That's what we do. That's what entrepreneurs do. So let's now move into the cheeky round. Are you ready for the cheeky round? Um, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first one, what's the part of the modeling industry you dislike the most? Oh, the bitchiness. It's vain. It's bitchy. Actually, I quite like that. <laughs> <laughs> Some people would say it's horrible, but... Um, I found it a little bit entertaining, but, um, but yeah, sometimes it's not very nice. Yeah. Okay. In the height of your career, what was the biggest single paycheck you got? A million. Wow. For, for, was this for a shoot? Yeah, this was for a campaign, but all I had to do is five appearances, but I got a wow. little over a million for that. Yeah. And when was that? That was, how old was I? It was in my late 20s. Um, yeah, it was a while ago. 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, you know, that's one. I mean, this has nothing to do with my bike caprice. It was in my modeling days. Yeah, that was the biggest yeah. one off. Here you go. Happy days. It's wow. great. Yes. Love great. I love how, um, I love how sh um, shameless and unassuming and natural you are about money. Because sometimes, we all know, you're a resident Brit, even though you obviously have American roots. We often don't like talking about money, and I find it refreshing why? when people... Yeah, exactly. Why? why? Teach us. Why are why? we so British One about thing money? I don't understand. And, and another thing, I mean, by the way, I love this country. I'm going to spend the rest of my life. I love this country. It's given me opportunity. All my friends are here. I love everything about it. But why is... Everyone, so again, you know, if somebody's successful, it's almost, it's almost like, oh, shame on you for being successful. But in America, it's quite different. You know, they, they you, you look at, you know, I read books about entrepreneurs. I'm intrigued. How did you do it? Oh my God, that's amazing. You did it on your own. How do you, you know, what are your secrets? We embrace, we look up, we, we inspire to be like them. But here, um, it's, uh, yeah, especially, ooh, you're talking about money. Ooh, you're talking about, ooh, how you like making money. <gasps> you know what? I'm saying what everyone's thinking, by the way. <laughs> I mean, let's embrace this. Let's let's go for it. It's, it's great to wake up in the morning and have something to aspire to be, to do. And especially as a parent, you know, I'm doing this for my kids now. Before I was doing it for you know, myself to get a Prada bag or something ridiculous. But now this is for my children. I'm proud of it, you know? So let's embrace it. Let's get inspired by it. Amen. <laughs> right. What's the most expensive item you've ever bought? I probably a house. There was, there was another thing that I used to do. I had a portfolio of quite a few real estate um, investments. I would go in and get government repos or distress situations. I'd go over because I had so much liquidity. 
And I'd go in, I'd buy, I'd, I'd hold on to it for two years and then flip it and then buy something, you know, uh, to avoid capital gains, reinvest it. So um, I was quite a successful business for a while. And then, of course, we got hit. Um, the economy uh, uh, was a mess in 2008. And then I had to uh, and then I just sold off all my investments. So probably house. Hmm. OK. Um, was it true that you were offered a role in Baywatch? I was. <laughs> I was. And you know what? That's my ego was this big. And you know what I said? I said, oh, my God, no, I'm not. And I, and I, and I told them no. I declined. What an oh. idiot. What a schmuck. <laughs> I mean, that's it's just that is like the ultimate marketing amazing and you know because even with marketing for me with my business even if i'm walking around and the daily mail you know picks it up as one of the lead stories oh caprice walking out of the store looking a certain way that's a way of selling my brand that's mm. a way of buying into the brand it's power and it was something like baywatch because at the time it was the hottest show on tv it was after pamela anderson left I look back and I think, what an idiot. Oh my God. You see, that's what ego does to you folks. Put put your ego in your back pocket because you could lose money from ego. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Have you ever had a really bad celebrity date? Dish the dirt. Um I remember. I don't think I've told anyone this. <laughs> so there was, I, I did the MTV Music Awards a few years and there was, there was one year that um, flew in and I met, it was a singer who's quite big at the moment called Fred Durst of Limp Biscuit. It was quite a long time ago. Anyways, Fred came up to me flirting. We were both flirting, blah, blah, blah. You know, it was like 7 a.m. And my publicist comes up and he's, he said, Oh my God, we need to get on a plane. You need to just get your bags and we need to go. And Fred's like, no, 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 no. And I said, sorry, man, I gotta go. I gotta work. So got my bags, flew. And then Fred called me and he said, listen, and actually nobody's ever bought it. He said, I want to buy you a first class ticket to New York and take you out to lunch. I said, what? I said, do you know how much first class? Are you joking? And I said, and he said, no, 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 I, please, please, can, it's, it's the weekend coming up. So, and I said, okay, okay, if you, that's an idiotic move. First class ticket to New York just for lunch. That's crazy, but okay. So I went and, um, and then we, we, we went to lunch and there was just paparazzi packed everywhere. And, um, and then he got a call. We were only there for 20 minutes. He got a call. And he said, I got to go. I got to go to the studio. I said, you are joking. I slept all the way here from New York to go have lunch for 20 minutes. You, I mean, I'm the idiot for doing it, but are you serious? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just going to go to the studio and then, you know, we could have a drink later. And I said, okay. So he went out one way. I went out the other way. I, I went back because I had a flat in New York. So I went back to my flat. And, um, and I called up his assistant and I said, here, just take my, my, I don't want the other half of this ticket. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to meet up with him later. You're joking. And uh, my ego was so big. So then I just bought my own ticket back to London, 
and then and and then I left. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> and then his assistant called and she said, "Nobody flakes on Fred." I said, "Really? Well, I just did. Bye." <laughs> I mean, it's like battle of the egos in the entertainment world. Too. But that, that that was quite an expensive date because then I bought my own ticket back. <laughs> but Well, thank you for sharing that here. If you've never shared that before, that's great. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right. Are you ready now for the quick fire round? Yeah. Okay. What exactly is this? What, I just have to just uh, say – a one-off, whatever, yes. whatever I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And, okay. and shorter answers if you want. If you want to go in, into detail, that's fine. But okay. permission to sh have short answers. Okay. Okay, so is there anything that you used to believe, but you've recently changed your mind about? Um, let's go back to that. Next one. Okay. Is there anything that you strongly believe that a lot of people you know don't believe? Yeah, the harder you work, the luckier you get. <laughs> a lot of people just wanted to, you know, they either want to marry somebody with money or, or become a reality star or something ridiculous. What's the best advice you ever remember receiving? Uh, recently, the restriction. Just take the emotion out. Power. What's the worst advice you ever remember receiving? Um, the worst advice, oh. the worst advice, probably stay, staying in an investment and just trying to make it work when I knew in my gut that it just, it, you know, it's really hard when, when you invest so much time and money into something and it's not working. A lot of people tend to put in more and say, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make this work. But sometimes, like I told you before, the best play is to get out, take your losses, get out, invest in something that's going to work. If there was one person you'd love to see interviewed on a show like this, The Disruptive Entrepreneur, who would it be? I would have loved for you. He's well, it could be anyone alive, dead, whatever. Yeah. And if, if your choice is dead, let's do an alive as well. OK, OK. Let's do an alive one. Okay. Um, I'd love for you to uh, be interesting if you uh, interviewed Nelson Mandela. I mean, be interested in that. I'd be interested just in him, period. Mm -hmm. But, um, and okay. And, oh, you know what? I would love, you know who you should interview? So interesting is Ruth Purcell. Now, Ruth, she is uh, probably no, but she's very, very private, but she's one of the richest women in this country. She sold a uh, an online party. Uh, it's called Party Poker. She she sold it for a few bill. But what an interesting lady. Wow. And she's a mom as well. And she's a great ice skater. I mean, she's just she, she surprises everywhere, but very, very, very smart. You should definitely you look her up. She's great. Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so is there one thing that you think is really wrong in the world that you'd like to change? Yeah, I, I, I know everyone is talking about this, but I really believe a kindness goes a long way. You know, everyone is very, very self-consumed, and especially during this pandemic. <sighs> Even with the way it's spread, how, how everyone is going out and doing their own thing and, and 
you know, and, and then there are people like us that have been in our houses for literally almost three months. You know what I mean? Dealing with the mental, you know, the kids really suffering and the whole thing. But we but but we're making a difference and we're trying to save lives here. We're, we're trying to help to stop, stop the spread. So I think I think kindness goes a long way. Think about other people. Think about the world. Think about, you know, as well, saving the planet. There's a whole thing with I'm very green. Um, and I think if we just make a little bit of effort, even, you know, what I've done recently, I, I, I wanted to show my kids, I put everything in my house. Okay. Not everything, but half everything, plastic, anything that I bought, you have no idea the pile that I had. It was actually frightening. And so I told my kids, I said, okay, guys, let's just, uh, my shampoos and my soaps, let's get bars of soap. And let's not buy the shampoo in a plastic uh, bottle or we get uh, refillables and, and put it in glass. And, and, and I'm slowly starting to change. And to, if we all made the slightest difference, how we could make our world better. And also, I'm worried for my kids. I'm worried for my grandkids. So just if we all put in a little bit of effort, um, it could go a long way for our children. This podcast is called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. What does the word disruptive mean to you? Um, what does the word, why are you asking me that? Because I ask every single person that. The disruptive. The name of the show, yeah. Disruptive, rebellious. Um, what, what have people said before in the past? Um, innovation. Um, change, progression, um, shaking up the status quo and the norm. You know, you know what, that's, an, can I just talk about one more thing? And then I'm going to, I know I'm a big talker, but, <laughs> but there's one thing um, that's really important with entrepreneurship is change. And, you know, a lot of people are so scared of change. But when I got rid of this whole thing, you know, everyone likes complacency. We wake up, we go do our job. You know, we have a nice, it, it doesn't stress us. We have a nice, secure relationship. But to be an entrepreneur, you have to embrace change. You have to almost instigate change, be excited about change and constantly change. Um, and I think that some of the more successful entrepreneurs kind of have developed this whole ethos. Anyways, I just wanted to share that because that's a big thing with me. And I had a hard time, you know, I, I quite like complacency, you know, and, and the second that I changed that up and embraced change in my life is when it, I became even more successful. And I'm not letting you get away with this because I asked a question and you said, oh, come what? back to it. Oh God. Oh so yeah. what, what one thing did you used to believe for a long time, but you've recently changed your mind on? Um, right. Oh, God, I need to think about this. That's a great question. I usually have an answer for everything. <laughs> you know, I, I, I remember right before I had kids, um, I told my husband, I said, you know what? It'll be fine. You know, I was a lot older. I was 40 when I had my kids. Um, and uh, I told him it's going to be fine. We're going to have nannies. My life is not going to change. 
we're going to trust me. Just trust me on this. He already had three kids. I said, I'll take care of everything. No problem. Uh, <laughs> that was the most naive thing I have ever said in my entire life. You really have to, I mean, could you ever really be prepared for this? But then again, it's one of the most wonderful things that I've ever experienced in my life. I became better. I work harder. Um, but I would have to say um, my perspective about motherhood it's, it's a new founded perspective. It's, I really look up to moms. I really even look up to teachers, you know, especially during this time of homeschooling. It is really difficult. They need to make more money. This is, this is not right. It is really, really difficult. Um, and all you moms out there and dads, it's home. It's real. I mean, that was shocking. I, I scream every single day. In fact, my seven-year-olds, I'm looking at their pet. I don't even know some of the answers. I mean, it's just insane. Um, I think that'll be my next thing is, 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 is raising the teachers, going to government, you know, getting people to sign a petition so that uh, they can make more money. It's, I have a newfounded respect for teachers. I have a newfounded respect. And boy, was I naive when it came to parenthood. But I have to say, it is the best thing. And I cannot imagine my life without my beautiful, beautiful boys. But it's tough. Thanks so much, Caprice, for being on the Disruptive Entrepreneur. It's been so much fun. Where do we follow you? Where do you maybe tell us what you're up to, your next and current ventures? Uh, I mean, obviously, all the, so the, the social platforms, especially Instagram, I actually do my own, not the business, the by Caprice Home, somebody does do that for me. But um, I, I do the Caprice Bray official Instagram. I do it all myself. I read. I'm very engaging. Um, I actually went off Twitter. I'll tell you, I actually went off Twitter. Um, I don't think we have, do we have time? No, I, you know what? I just don't like Twitter. Go on, say it, say it. We've got time. No, I, you know what? I didn't like the fact that at, that at one point there was, I was doing this TV show and there was so much hate. And I just thought, you don't know what you're talking about. And sadly, I had to stay stump. I had to stay quiet because of contractual reasons. And I was just, I was getting slammed and it was really affecting me. And so I said, you know what? How dare Twitter give these these people that are slandering my name, they have no idea what they're talking about. I am all about free, you know, freedom of voice. But when you go, when you go to purposely try and, and hurt somebody and make them feel bad and slander their name, when you have no idea, you've never met them. No, no, do not give them a goddamn platform. And Twitter allowed these people, they keep, they gave these people platform. And I thought, no, I'm going off Twitter. Saw you Instagram. I mean, if it, if, 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 you know, not everyone has nice things to say and that's okay. But when it's slanderous, at least on Instagram, you could delete them, delete that, you know, not give them a platform, not give them a, a voice to hate that. I don't agree with. Amen. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Caprice, thank you. I've had so much fun. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, really kind to share your time you rock thank you very much thanks for having me bye bye thank you